Hello and happy holidays from the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast. It's the most wonderful time of the year and we have a jam-packed logule of a show for you this week featuring a Christmas classic voted for by you, the listeners, in our video store corner classic review section. But before all that, we're going to tell you if Spider-Man No Way Home blew the cobwebs away from a rather tired year of Marvel cinematic releases during our spoiler-free review section. We'll also be telling you if Neo is still the one in The Matrix Resurrections, whether Matthew Vaughn's World War One era set prequel The King's Man has run out of steam alongside a new film from a directing upstart called Steven Spielberg, bringing us his first ever musical in the form of West Side Story. That kid is surely going to go far. And also we have acting powerhouse Sandra Bullock aiming for award-level acclaim in Netflix's original movie, Unforgivable. Pause for breath. And just when you thought the shitter was full, it's Christmas time, so we also wanted to grab a moose-shaped glass of spiked eggnog and sit down to watch the voted for by you video store corner seasonal classic National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. On top of it all, we'll be discussing the latest film news, trailer reactions, and throwing in as much film geekery as you've come from it to expect from the Movie Mouth team. This is Miles, and as ever, I am joined by a man who once said, oh, Now, just a minute, just a minute. Hold on, Mr. Potter, just a minute. Now, you're right when you say my father was no businessman. I know that. Why he ever started this cheap penny ante building and loan, I'll never know. And neither you nor anybody else can say anything against his character because of his whole life. Why, in the 25 years since he and Uncle Billy started this thing, he never once thought of himself. Isn't that right, Uncle Billy? He didn't save enough money to send Harry to school, let alone me. But he did help a few people get out of your slums, Mr. Potter. And what's wrong with that? Why, here you're all businessmen here. Don't it make them better citizens? Doesn't it make them better customers? You said that they... What did you say just a minute ago? They had to wait and save their money before they even thought of a decent home. Wait, wait, for what? Until their children grow up and leave them? Until they're so old and broken down that you know how long it takes a working man to save $5,000? Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him. But to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. It's a wonderful life. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. It's Phil. Hi, Phil. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hello there. Merry Christmas. Merry bloody Christmas to you. How, are we? How have you been and have you put your tree up yet? Yes, I have a Ooh. tree up in the house and also right next to me in the little recording room that I am in. You can't well, see Well, first question, considering that you have two trees, yeah. do you have any movie-themed decorations? Um, or TV-themed, for that matter? No. Hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't think. You're not the geek oh, no, I wait, thought I did have you some were. I think I have got some Star Wars ones, actually, on the other one. Some little oh. stormtroopers. Yes, oh. I do. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah, You didn't want to wrap your hoverboard in tinsel. It's a bit heavy for the tree. Well, that's true. You could put it under the tree, though, couldn't you? 
Yeah, or you could hover over it. (laughs) I'm just gonna zoom. I'm just gonna put the tree in the middle of the room and then get on my hoverboard and just zoom round it, round and round. Why wouldn't you? If you have a hoverboard, why wouldn't you? Wearing a Father Christmas outfit. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I've got a. I have a uh, Ghostbusters Bill Murray hanging on the tree, and he's talking as well. He says things like, "We came, we saw, we kicked its ass." Um, and we also have. Well, automatically he does that, or you just press it. He does it. You you, you press a button. Yeah. Sometimes he jingles and he jangles. It's pretty cool. Um, I got some random sushi things on there. I don't know why. My girlfriend. Um, Real sushi. Yeah. Actual sushi. I also have popcorn, a medium-sized Coca-Cola, and a film reel on there, hanging on there, which is very movie mouth. You know what a tree is for, right? It's not for just daily things that you put in a tree. You don't just... It's not like Mm. a fridge. I don't... Like I haven't got like a steak dinner in the tree and a, uh, you know. I Have you know, got a guitar like a... on your tree? <laughs> I should do. <laughs> I fucking do. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> You're right. I haven't got any actual Christmas ornaments. I've just got no. random things from yeah. things that I like on the tree. You just but... shoved your lunchbox in the tree in a, a thermos flask. And, <laughs> and why not? Shouldn't your shoes. See what it's all, all, all about? Would you like to tell the listeners about the Xmas present that you bought for yourself this week? Oh, I would. Yeah. Actually, I, do you know what? I got an email saying that's been dispatched today. So, listeners, very excitingly, my favorite movie weapon of all time is easily the uh, pulse rifle from the Aliens movie. Make the noise. Pretty good. That's that good impression. That sounds like a, a pigeon that's that's really cold. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, the geek, the, the geek that I am, the huge geek that I am, I bought a 3D printed um, model kit of the Pulse Rifle. It's full mm. size and I intend to um, do lots of work on it, spray it up. Um, and even if I can get hold of one, there's a few companies that do them, but uh, install one of the LED like ammo counters. Yeah, it goes in the, on the magazine. So that when they're firing the gun, you can see. Yeah, the I mean, this down, one isn't like a full moving moving parts one, like some of the really extravagant ones right. out there, because mm-hmm. you can get them like, like people sell <laughs> people sell like conversion kits where you can like it has like a light on the end that you can like you can cock the because you know it's got like the um the like uh, shotgun on the front of it. Yep, yep. As well, like you can cock that part of it and it makes that sound and uh, it's ridiculous and uh, mm. you can get it with sound and light kits and everything but yeah i just want this to sort of hang on the wall but it's a bit of a fun project you know like for me to you know what i'm like i made my own hoverboard for god's sake so why not make my own pulse rifle you also you also <laughs> made a hoverboard for me but you haven't made a pulse rifle for me as far as i can tell phil well <laughs> buy your own <laughs> <laughs> You got to yeah, keep the listeners been... updated on that. I think you need to. Um, I will post some, some pictures pics. in progress when I when it arrives, and then when One, I'm working on it, it'll take a little while yet. But yeah, absolutely doing that. That sounds good. That sounds good. Are you doing? Is there anything else movie themed that you're going to be doing this Christmas? Um, no. Probably Building a pulse some... rifle, I would say, is is pretty much the most movie themed thing. That's about the most movie thing thing I can think of doing. I might not I might not get it. I don't know when I'm gonna get it yet, but it's been dispatched. It's exciting. I read the email today that it's been it's on its way. Mm-hmm. Obviously Christmas is like in two days, so it's gonna that be is true. Yeah. Well, if you're listening to this, Christmas is in two days, but you may be listening to this after Christmas. You may be yeah. you may be sitting on a beach somewhere in Jamaica listening to this in the middle of summertime. Who knows? Christmas yeah. was in two days when we recorded this. 
and Phil has probably built his gun by now and hopefully hasn't been arrested for carrying it to his <laughs> running down the street in it. <laughs> Game over, man! Game over! Like running around with it, yeah. They're in the walls! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm actually, um, I, I'm doing the most nerdy yet opulent Christmas thing I could ever do this year. Right. That is uh, off the back of my dressing up as Harry and Marv for Halloween with my girlfriend yeah. um, and running around New York uh, dressed as a Ghostbuster. Um, I'm I'm staying uh, for two nights in a suite at the Plaza Hotel in New York, which for <laughs> any movie fans out there, Home Alone 2 fans will know, it's of course where Macaulay Culkin stays and spends his alone time over Christmas Amazing. eating cheese pizza and ice cream and giving out sticks of chewing gum to the butlers and stuff. So um, I actually, when I, when, when, I, um, when I made the reservation, I actually called them up on a, on a talk boy and uh slowed it down and uh i requested yeah. one of those one of those rooms that has a fridge with a little key <laughs> credit card you got it <laughs> this is the father unfortunately they hung up on me immediately so i, I went on booking.com and, and booked, well, booked it there and stuff probably because they get that like every day from some asshole around the world some massive just uh, repeating like it down the phone to them are you hoping Absolutely. to meet donald trump in the lobby I mean, I'd probably say, you know, more to him than just ask him directions. Do you know what I mean? I'd, yeah. I'd probably, I'd probably ask him directions to my foot going into his bottom. Into his cavity. In his cavity. Yeah. Can you turn around, bend over so I can kick you in the ass, please? <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas, okay. you filthy animal. And then we'll <laughs> You filthy nice. animal. You were smooching with everybody. Um... <laughs> So we'll see how that goes. Uh, what have you been watching these past few weeks, Phil? Been uh, watching anything seasonal? Uh, not seasonal, I guess. But um, humbug, humbug to you, sir. Humbug, but humbug. But I did start watching after you mentioned it. The um, the Cowboy Bebop Netflix series, mm. the live action, John one. Cho, um, John Cho, yeah. And um, I'm really enjoying it. I think I'm mm. about five episodes in. It's very silly. But I think, and you know, listeners, I've not watched the anime. I'm sorry, but I'm going mm. to. On the back of this, I want to watch it, and I've added mm-hmm. that to my Netflix list as well now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I probably should have done because it's very well, uh, highly regarded. Mm-hmm. Um, very well hung. I thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I will watch it after this. I should think. So, but yeah, it's good fun. It's. I think at first it felt like you've watched it, haven't you? Haven't High you? budget first episode. Yeah. Mm, and then very yeah. low budget for the rest of it. Yeah, that's it. But it also felt like watching a computer game cutscene the entire time. If you know what I mean. It just yeah. felt like that. Yeah. For the first episode. Yeah. I mean less I know you mean. less so as it goes on. Yeah, I think that's I think that's to do with the budget. I think they put, you know, Netflix put a lot of money into the into the pilots and obviously yeah. they did they they made it. They loved it. They were they actioned it off the back of it, but they probably said, right now, this budget you had for this one episode, we're going to stretch over the entire season. And yeah, I think there's probably. only eight, is it eight or nine episodes, something like that? Nine, I think. Yeah, nine episodes. Yeah. Um, question: it, uh, Is is Jet Black and uh, I can't remember his name. It's uh, what's his name? But what, John, John Cho in that? Yeah, isn't he? Uh, oh God, what is he? Um, Fearless. Fe- yeah, yeah. That's it. Is are we fearless and jet black? Because I feel like we might be the podcast equivalent of fearless. Hundred percent. That is me and you. A hundred percent. That's me and you. Because 
I'm I'm jet black. I'm without doubt. <laughs> You're the muscle I'm of the so- operation. I'm the muscle. I'm sorting out all the technical stuff. You know, getting us from A to B. You're just fucking floating around in a suit, mm. just like wandering off, getting noodles and sorting out your own complicated life. I do love while ramen. I'm in the background. I do love ramen, to... and I do have a dark history. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just wish I had um, that body. Definitely me and you. Yeah. I wish I had a metal arm like Spike. Like, um, like, get back to Yeah. You probably will do it one day. I can imagine you actually building one after you build your pulse rifle. Um, walking around with a metal arm. Um, awesome. So you've been enjoying that? Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I've been really enjoying it. And as I said, I'm going to watch mm. the anime now after on the back of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I've been watching, you? I've been catching up on, uh, well, a friend of mine, a few people I know told me to watch Netflix's The Witcher, which I vaguely mm. recall you reviewing um, mm. at some point. Um, I know we talked about it. Uh, yeah, we, I think we talked about it. I'm not sure. I, re- I can't remember because I can't remember if I've seen. I'm sorry. Like for everyone that's recommended it to me, I'm trying. I really am. But <laughs> I really don't like it. I really don't like it. I am literally just watching it because people keep telling me to watch it. And yeah. I, I am struggling with it. Right. You know, yeah, I can't give an opinion. Like I can't remember the whole way through it. He's, you know, don't talk to my horse like that. I'm the fucking <laughs> Witcher, all right? You know, have you got any good spells for me? Just talks like that the whole way through it. I just you're I the can't. guy from Resident Evil. What are you buying? What are you selling? What, what are, are you selling, stranger? What are you, What are you buying? Plenty of things on sale, stranger. <laughs> um, it's just I don't know. Like I think I kind of I think I'm a little exhausted from fantasy swords and sorcery from from game of thrones um yeah and i just kind of feel like i know that the second season just come on so i kind of wanted to catch up with that but obviously henry cavill you know huge huge nerd he's obviously having a huge nerdgasm all the way through this and god bless him he's brilliant but i just yeah i just can't i can't get into it i don't know i don't know why um disney plus is hawkeye similar situation i love an mcu product you know that we're going to talk about one later in, in the show uh <laughs> yeah. But I'm struggling with this for some reason. I can't. I can't get into Hawkeye. I feel like maybe the MCU and Disney have oversaturated uh, the streaming platform a little bit this year. You know, yeah. it's like we had like uh, you know, we had quite a few uh, quite a few shows um, this year already. I think something like six, five or six properties this year. It's mm. just a little too much. I am continuing to power through Curb Your Enthusiasm, the latest season, which is pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, and I also got a trip into the cinema to watch something, not to review it but to just enjoy it. And I went on my own to see uh, Come On, Come On, starring Joaquin Phoenix, which is a really touching indie drama about an uncle connecting with his young nephew and traveling around the US. And they interview real people and about their philosophies on life and, and this kind of thing. Really nice movie. Um, and, uh, you know, got me back to doing my favorite thing of just sitting in a cinema and watching art and not having to you know, critique or review it in, in any way. Um, and that was, that was really nice, but less about me and more about Christmas because it is Christmas time folks. And with that in mind, Phil and I love to sit down and watch some classic Christmas movies as I'm sure you do. So I thought, why don't we come up with a top five list of our favorite Christmas films to watch? Maybe you've seen them. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you want to go back and rewatch them. Phil, Top five. Let's start with number five. What did you go for? 
<laughs> uh, I went for um, Jingle All The Way. Put the cookie down! Put that cookie down! Yeah. Um, I love Jingle All The Way. I think, well, I love Arnie and I love Christmas mm-hmm. films. So mm-hmm. what's not to love? It's a good fun film. It is a good fun film. It is a good fun film. I mean, we posted a meme earlier this week about how that film uh, would be void in today's society because, of course, the film sees Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to buy a Turbo Man doll for his young son for Christmas and pretty much failing. Um, But, of course, in the day of e-commerce and Amazon, uh, there was a really great meme where he just buys it online (laughs) and gets it delivered. The end. The end. (laughs) Order successful. The end. Question, whatever happened to Sinbad? I don't know. What did happen to Sinbad? <laughs> he was in that and that was it. The last time I saw him, he was in an episode of uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which was a pretty funny episode. Right. Um, Phil Hartman's great in that film as well. Oh, Phil Hartman's brilliant in that. Yeah. Was he like so trying good. to like hit on Arnie's wife or something in that movie? Yeah, or, like or, the or... entire time. He's like a single <laughs> parent, isn't he? And he just hates you for it. (laughs) It is when he finds out about the cookies and he's just like, oh, you've got to try these cookies. Yeah, they were his wife's cookies. Your wife's cookies are amazing. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, put that cookie down. It's amazing. Put the cookie down now. (laughs) I love it. I want to watch it again. I'm going. See you later. I'm going to watch it all the way. Go on, number four. Number four. Um, I put this week's video store corner. uh, Oh. In at number four, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, it's one of those films that I just always watch it right. every year. Every year, it's just you just stick it on. It's like an hour and a half of just eighties Christmas fun, and it it really is. And undertones of of real macabre menace and hatred. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Which we'll go into later, I'm sure. Oh shit! Uh, when we talk about it, yeah, that's number four for me. Number three. Number three is one, I don't know, maybe people forget about a bit, but I grew up watching this at Christmas time and we had it on video and I remember watching it a lot. And it's um, Santa Claus the movie, Ooh. Uh, the, Dud- the Dudley Moore one, and the yes. Don Lisco uh, from 1985. I love that film. And that was, that was real sort of m- me. That was a real, I watched it when I was re- really young. Like, you know, I was what, like, one when that came out so yeah. they would have shown that on tv a lot when i was yeah. growing up and um yeah i just i just really like that film with with the same age and i remember watching that on tv it used to be on tv a lot didn't it when we were kids every christmas yeah. i think it was on yeah and it just felt like christmas when that was on wasn't it yeah and do you know what the weird thing I, this is for this is gonna this is gonna be for the probably the british viewers only um the wife of Santa Claus in that film is played by the lady who plays Hyacinth Bouquet's sister uh, in <laughs> Keeping Up Appearances, <laughs> a very 90s uh, British TV comedy Amazing. show. Um, yeah, The one that's married to really... Alonso. Yeah, uh, Onslow. Os- uh, Ons- Onslow. Onslow, yeah. I think it's Onslow. Yeah, uh, or something Onslow. Like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's her. Yeah, she, oh, wow. he, she plays Santa Claus's wife in that film. Because um, it was weird, because that was on around the same time. So it was just like, oh, that's her from Keeping Up Appearances in, in like you know a what? Hollywood you've blown, movie. You've blown your trivia load far too early, Phil. Very early <laughs> oh, well, in the show. Usually you save more. it till the end. There's plenty more where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two. Number two is, again, another Stone Cold Christmas classic, and that is Home Alone. Yeah. 1990. Brilliant. Somewhere in... <laughs> 
memory. <laughs> and what did I send? I sent you a picture yesterday, didn't I? Mm. That was very depressing. And it said that um, I don't know. I, I haven't fact checked this, but mm. I'm sure it's pretty probably true. And it's the fact that um, Macaulay Culkin is four years older than um, <laughs> Catherine O'Hara, who plays his mum in Home Alone, was when she was playing his mum. That's amazing. Which is absolutely terrifying. Um, yeah, Home Alone. It really is movie. terrifying. It yeah. really is. What a movie, though. And, what a movie. and, and num- number one, I'm going to guess. I'm going to throw <laughs> this out there. Ready? It's an easy guess, isn't it? Go on. Ready? Mr. Takagi will not be joining us for the rest of his life. <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Die Hard, isn't it? It's got to be. It has to be. It is number one, numero uno, easily oh, for me. So and good. A lot of other people out there as well. I think Get people who are come out to the coast, have a few laughs. A few laughs. It's just what a film. What an action film. It's one of the best action films of all time for me. It's just, and it's based at Christmas. What's not to love? I know. <laughs> so just, I, I know. It gives, and it, it's good because it just gives me an excuse to just put it on every year. Oh. I, I I put it on every year. I usually put it on weirdly when I'm wrapping my gifts because the sound of the German terrorists um machine guns drowns out any noises of the wrapping of the doing things that I might be doing in that in that room when I'm watching. <laughs> right. like, gah, 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 gah. Um even actually saying that, even um Al Pal's handgun, police issue handgun at the end when he blows yeah, that's the a beast of a gun, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. It's like a cannon. Yeah. Um, what a movie. What a choice. Yeah. Never bettered, I think. You wouldn't have had Die Hard 2 in this list or Home Alone 2? No. No. Okay. Both good well, films, but not a patch on the others. I mean, no surprises on my list. Number five. Well, actually, these might be surprises, but at the top of my list, there won't be any surprises. Number five. Oh, this is weird, but I love it so much. The Polar Express. Oh, I love yeah. it. I, yeah. Love it. I've always loved yeah. it. It's yeah. just brilliant. Robert Zemeckis, yeah. Alan Silvestri, Back to the Future link up. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's motion capture, and this is before real decent avatar level motion capture. Oh, yeah. Um, but this is where Zemeckis fo- uh, formed his IM Global, Image Movers Global um, studio, uh, production studio. And it's just something about this film. It just, it just really has a, it's a really kind of has a real atmosphere to it. And it just, yeah. it's a little, I don't know, melancholy in places. And yes, the eyes of all of the children characters are very dead. Um, but I really like it. And also, amazingly, Tom Hanks played every role in this film, pretty mm. much. Um, which is including the little boy, the hero child in this film. So yeah. in, in motion capture, to really show what motion capture could do. So I, I, I think it's great. Um, in, in a similar vein, and this is, again, a completely personal um, thing. I'm a massive Jim Carrey fan, as yeah. you will know. I do know. I do not like The Grinch. The Grinch is not in my list. I'm not a no. Grinch fan. But A Christmas Carol is. Okay. Again, Zemeckis, motion capture, Silvestri. But Jim Carrey, Colin Firth, and Carrie Elwes, a little team up again from Liar Liar, um, mm-hmm. in this, love it. And the soundtrack's incredible. And again, I, I remember seeing this in 3D, and I saw it the same day that I went to see Jim Carrey turn on the Christmas lights in... Uh, uh, Oxford Oxford Street in London. <laughs> right. And um, I went to see the movie and then went to see him boop, press the button. 
which was pretty cool. Um, but I just, I love that film. And it, like back in the day when 3D was in and, you, and I had a 3D TV and all that stuff, it was yeah. so good with the snow falling down and all that kind of thing. Um, moving on, number three, Christmas Vacation. We'll talk about that later. Number two, yes. Die Hard. Two? Get the hell. It has to be number two because Home Alone is my number one favorite. Oh, it can okay. only so be my one number one favorite. We did swap, but we are close, Fair aren't enough. we? I was, they That's were so right. close, but Home Alone simply because my, my brother um, uh, gave me the video and uh, when I was very, very young, and I watched it like four times in a day, I think in the middle of summer, because the movie came out at Christmas and it, and it came out on video like six or seven months after back then. And I remember yeah. like wearing out the videotape and uh, I've loved that film. I've loved that film ever since. I think I was probably um, Macaulay Culkin, like when I was a kid, like, you know, how annoying he is in that film. Yeah. I, I was pretty much that kid. I probably still am that child. Um, but uh, a selfish little twerp. But um, <laughs> I I love it. And for that reason, you know, it's got to be number one. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. That's, that's, that's fair. I will. I'll tell you what I will, though. I will give a special mention to your favorite. Nicolas Cage. Have you seen The Family Man? No, I don't think I have, actually. Right. Listeners, if you haven't seen The Family Man starring Nicolas Cage and Tia Leone, it's about a... Nicolas Cage is a man living a life of selfish, yuppie um, opulence in, in New York City, only to one day wake up at Christmas time to find that he actually married his high school sweetheart and they had a family in the suburbs and he has like a you know kind of average job compared to what he was doing in the city and all this kind of thing. Um, working like a tire firm or something versus being like an advertising exec or something like that. Anyway, it's it's kind of Scrooged. It's kind of a Christmas Carol. It's a moral Christmas morality tale. But I really like it. I think it's I think it's a genuinely good film. And I think those kind of morality tales I think are good things to watch at Christmas. So if you yeah. haven't seen The Family Man, that's like my outsider movie. That if you've worn out all of the others, check out The Family Man. I think you'll like it. That sounds good. Oh. Little Miles Christmas top tip. Top tip for Christmas. Merry Christmas, top, Phil. Top tip. Should we jump into the news? Let's do it. Cool. I'll get started off. I just wanted to make a special mention that our Ghostbusters Afterlife spoiler special went live just a few weeks ago. If you saw that movie and wanted to dissect it with a trio of movie nerds who love nothing more than Ghostbusters and secretly wish we were them... Well, the Movie Mouth Ghostbusters spoiler special is free now on all podcast streaming apps for you to listen away at your heart's content. References to the original movies, who blubbed the hardest. If you need help finding it, hop on over to our Instagram page at Movie Mouth Podcast and hit the link in the bio where we have conveniently added it to our link tree page for your immediate ear hole consumption. Go listen to that. Also, in upcoming news, we're also going to be recording an end-of-year spectacular which is going to feature all of our favorite moments worst moments favorite scenes greatest performances cinematography greatest moments going to the cinema all of that good stuff we're going to be recording that over the holiday period and we will be releasing it probably to coincide with the new year so keep an eye out for that on all of your podcast players of choice and for any latest news if you'd like to stay up to date please follow us at moviemouthpodcast.com or visit our brand new website which is moviemouthpodcast.com. 
check it out. Phil, in the news, what have you been consuming? Well, you mentioned our um, our little Ghostbusters Afterlife spoiler special. Mm. Well, I have some Ghostbusters game news, which is interesting. Mm. Little game movie tie-in. So, and that Ernie Hudson has revealed that there is um, good news for Ghostbusters fans because uh, a new game, a new video game based on the franchise, is being developed. Mm-hmm. I think um, the two thousand and nine. Ghostbusters game was very well received, did really well, didn't it? Um, and then got a remaster as well, which was really cool. Uh, and that was good because that was the first time that a lot of the cast had sort of lent their voices to things. And yeah, um, it was the entire nice, original like, cast, in fact, we were in. That yeah, movie. right. Yeah, everyone, which is really uh, sorry cool. in the game. Yeah, in the game. Yeah. Um, so that's really good. Uh, he's not said like who. I think he said that Dan Aykroyd's definitely on board for it. Mm-hmm. Not sure about Bill Murray. Bill Murray's Bill Murray. Probably not. Who knows? I don't but know. It, You'd be surprised. Yeah, you do. They yeah, just need to yeah. leave, leave a message on his answer phone and see if he turns up at someone's house to accept yeah. it. Yeah. Why not? And uh, yeah, so that's really cool. So that's that's in the works, apparently. Hmm. Uh, a new Ghostbusters game. And then the other quick bit of news I had was that um, uh, Brad Pitt's... Oh, excuse me. I've got a bubble in my throat. Did, Brad, did you hear Brad that? Pitt's. I like, Brad Pitt's. Brad Pitt's. Pitt. Um, yeah, I'm going to watch that new Brad Pitts. It's pretty good, that. Brad Pitts. It's Brad um, Pitts and William Defoe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Brad Pitts' bullet mm. train um, mm. has now um, been delayed until mm. um, summer 2022. So it's his new upcoming oh. action film with Sandra Bullock, who we'll also be talking about later on. Oh, wow. Um, it was originally set to be released in April, um, but it's been pushed back to uh, July, um, sort of right in the middle of the summer blockbuster season. Mm. Mm. Uh, and the story is that it follows uh, five assassins who all find themselves on a fast-moving bullet train and realise that their individual assignments are connected to each other. It can't be set That's in London, it. can it? Fast-moving no, bullet train. Not a fast-moving bullet train. <laughs> no way. The <laughs> delayed 1039 <laughs> service to London, Liverpool Street, is delayed by 35 years. I um, <laughs> I mean, this is directed by David Leach, who famously directed the first John Wick with Chad Stahelski. Mm. Um, Atomic Blonde. He he also did uh, Deadpool 2, a film that you and yeah. I really enjoyed. We did. Uh, when, you were, when you were over here. Um, so looking really looking forward to this. It's got an amazing cast, hasn't it, as well? Michael Shannon's mm. in there. Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, Logan Lerman, like Brian Tyree Henry. I love him. Um, hmm. I want it now. Pretty good. Pretty and so good. when when was that delayed till? Uh, summer twenty two. Okay. I mean, that's yeah, fine. Not, it's not. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's not like not a massive delay, but it's from like April to the July. So it's just been probably a possibly bit, but... reshoots or possibly because of COVID. Is it is it filmed in Japan? I don't know actually. I really hmm. don't know. The the title, you know, bullet trains sort of associated with it, but uh, I don't know. I'm not. It's based on a, on a Japanese novel by Kotaro Isaka, apparently. Oh well, then probably maybe. Yeah, who I knows? Would like to think that it is. Um, it looks like it was filmed. Yeah, it was filmed in LA. It was filmed on the Sony Pictures backlot. So, hmm. Hmm, I would have thought it was something to do with the travel or COVID or, or something along those lines. But perhaps reshoots, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. Anything else? No, that's my news. I've got one one uh, little bit of news. Um, mm. And this this actually 
sent my my Peter Dinklage alarm to start dinkling. Um, Dinkler. It did. Uh, after Joe Wright's upcoming musical, uh, Serrano, which is based on the, the play Serrano de Bergerac, featuring the music of one of my personal favorite rock bands, The National, Peter Dinklage is due to star in uh, The Toxic Avenger, which is, as he quotes, not a remake of the original Toxic Avenger. By the way, a film that should possibly be coming to Video Store Corner at some point next year, mm, I would imagine. Definitely. Um, so, and he was quoted as saying, it's a lot of fun. Uh, he just wanted to do something that he's never done before. So why not be a monster in an over-the-top crazy movie? And why not sing in another one? So the original film saw a janitor bullied by customers at, at a health club where he works, who then falls into a vat of toxic goo and emerge as a super strong but hideously deformed person. <laughs> he uses his newfound size to protect the innocent and fight crime, despite the efforts of the authorities to stop him for their own corrupt ends. I want to see the remake with Dinklage and I want to get this up on our video store corner at some point folks, yeah, right. to see whether our listeners will want to watch it. But uh, I definitely, uh, I'm definitely all for that. Anything with Dinklage, I'm down. Down for Dinklage. Mm, down for the Dinklage. Uh, trailers, we've got quite a few this week. Um, do you mind if I get us started off? You go for it. Real quick, just while PhD. I'm in the flow here. Well... Followers of our Instagram page will have seen our excited post about the trailer for Robert Eggers' new movie, so The Northman, which is uh, which dropped earlier this week. For fans of his previous work, such as um, goat-based horror The Witch or seagull-based horror black and white uh, film The Lighthouse, this sees Eggers on a much more broader scope with a Viking revenge thriller epic where we see Alexander Skarsgård on a quest to avenge what appears to be the death of his father, played by Ethan Hawke, and his mother, played by Nicole Kidman, who appears to have been kidnapped. This reunites Eggers with the witch breakout star Anya Taylor-Joy and mad-eyed lighthouse keeper <laughs> William Defoe. I think we're going to have to call him William Defoe from now on. <laughs> Even though we know his name is William <laughs> Defoe, I just feel like it's William Defoe. Um, yeah. Trailer looks stunning and features some really impressive moments of action. Uh, there's a really cool moment, isn't there, where Skarsgård is kind of, well, actually, the entire trailer is Skarsgård running bare-chested through mud and destroying pretty much everything uh, in his wake. Really cool yep. moment. He, he, like, catches a spear. Um, and oh, he, like, yeah, they throw off, like, the rampart. and it, like, Off the rampart. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he throws it back. He throws it back. Uh, it looks really cool. Um, looks like a really broad canvas, like, much more broader than any of his other films that Robert Eggers has done, but he's a real talent, so I think that looks fucking awesome to be honest i'm really looking forward to that i you know me i love a i love a battle and vikings and shit <laughs> swords and mead and drinking horns i mean that's you in a nutshell that's, yeah or is this you yeah. help i'm in a bloody great nutshell my name's phil <laughs> good one good one it was an austin powers <laughs> reference that was terrible um this coffee tastes like shit <laughs> <laughs> it is shit austin it's a bit nutty, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can't wait for that, Northman. Mm. Really good. That's coming out. Yeah, April. Did you say that when it's coming out? It's coming I think out it's April. April yeah, it didn't have a date on the trailer, but I think it is no, April. It is April. Um, um, so that's cool. Yeah, I, I saw another one as well, just quickly. Uh, yeah. If you've seen No Way Home already and you stayed till the very end of the credits, you'll have already seen this teaser. Um, but then this is not a spoiler because it's now out. But there's plenty to pour over in the new Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness movie, um, which looks absolutely 
batshit crazy. Um, the kind of final beat of this movie focuses on Doctor Strange versus an evil Doctor Strange. Uh, and it basically follows on from the events of Spider-Man No Way Home, which uh, if you've seen the trailer, you'll have seen Doctor Strange casting a spell that tears open the very fabric of our universe, exposing a multiverse within the uh, the MCU. Um, this also brings back uh, a lot of a lot of other uh, performers from the MCU, most notably Elizabeth Olsen's Wanda Maximoff or Scarlet Witch, uh, who you will have seen in WandaVision earlier this year on Disney Plus. Um, and this again follows on from the events of that show. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor's back as well as Mordo in this with a really cool like dreadlock kind of hairstyle. Um, looks looks pretty fun. They don't give a lot away in this. I feel like most of this trailer is kind of parts of the of the kind of final confrontation and parts of the kind of build up at the at the beginning of the movie. But I feel like there's a lot more visual excitement to to come uh, from this, mm. especially um, when you when you consider that. Obviously, that the uh, the man at the helm uh, is of of course Sam Raimi, who directed Movie Mouth favorite Dark Man, um, but also of course uh, three of those original Tobey Maguire Spider Man movies. So visually, orally, it's probably going to be pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. Mm. Um, so looking forward to that, and that comes out in also uh, that actually comes out May sixth. Uh, 2022 so not long to go for that one really excited for that especially off the back of spider-man that we'll talk about later phil well i think yeah i mean <laughs> the next trail what can we say so <laughs> as you know we're fans of uh <laughs> we are fans. don't tell me hang on a second hang on yeah, 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 yeah. this is either gonna be right let me let me try and think about it this is gonna be like a, a bruce willis trailer mm. Or it's going to be a Nicolas Cage trailer. <laughs> well, you are correct with the second guess. Oh anyway. my god! Do you know what I thought you were going to say? It's they're, they're both in it. <laughs> are we? I mean, I did actually watch a Bruce Willis trailer last week for a new okay. film, and I just mentioned this quickly. Why is he only making absolute dog shit films mm-hmm. at the moment? That's like alimony, um, massive debt. Just it's yeah. just awful. Just it's really depressing. It's like he just makes these fucking like sci-fi channel worthy crap action films at the moment and it's, yeah. it's really really sad i don't know why i don't know why he's doing it it's just it just no. seems i don't know he just has so much talent and it's yeah. kind of cynical kind of a cynical move from him but you know if there's more to it in his personal life who knows but it's yeah. just a shame really yeah it's a shame but anyway and then speaking of someone who also really did the same thing for a while <laughs> but hopefully but appears to be on the comeback trail by yeah the way. exactly and especially with this film so Nicolas Cage, um, the the new film called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yes, uh, yes. With I saw Nicolas Cage playing a version of himself. Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> and this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so the story revolves around Cage, who... Uh, facing immense financial burden, agrees to take a gig entertaining a rich uh, superfan <laughs> played by Pedro Pascal. This is the way. This is the way. And um, yeah, for like a million dollars or whatever mm. they offer him. And um, <laughs> but then when Cage is recruited by a CIA, uh, CIA uh, operative played by Tiffany Haddish, things take an unexpected and dangerous turn. 
So it features like you know loads of uh, references to Cage's career in the trailer mm-hmm. and his personal life as well. And it seems like he's a really good like sport. Like it looks yeah. like you know he's, yeah. he's he's happy to take the piss out of himself. You know from the change in his like you know as we said like the change in the type of films he's making, his financial troubles. Um, but it looks like it's going to be a good sort of Cage comedic performance. There's some really good moments in the trailer. Just that mm-hmm. just look. Like it's just going to be a really silly. The moment when he's film. trying to pull Pedro Pascal over a wall and he's yeah. like screaming, ah, the man! He's <laughs> yeah. kind of screaming, and then <laughs> and Pedro lets Pascal, we lets him go, he falls to the floor, and then Pedro Pascal walks around the wall, and he's like, we could have just walked around the wall. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was brilliant. He's like, save yourself, and he just drops him, and he goes, okay, bye. <laughs> just jumps. Over it looks head. great. I, this this has got movie mouth written all over it. Oh yeah. So will this be, I think, I would say the first Nicolas Cage trailer since we've started the Movie Mouth podcast where you actually watch the film when it comes out? Yes. <laughs> it will be, actually, yeah. Because I don't Definitely. think... I think we've watched a lot of Nick Cage trailers but haven't bothered to watch the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. But I am, I'm looking forward to this one. What's it called again? The unbearable weight of massive talent. And when does that come out? Sometime that comes out, I believe, also in April 2022. Oh, what an April May we're going to have. What an oh April May we're going to have. What an April. Yeah. Be brilliant. I mean, pandemic aside. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. Let's All right, Phil. Away. Should we jump into some spoiler free reviews for the listeners? Let's bloody well do it, shall we? Okay. I'll get this one kicked off. Uh, let's start with the big one. Um, in what appears to be the biggest box office hit of the year, Spider-Man No Way Home has been released as the follow-on to John Watts' two MCU-based Spider-Man movies, Homecoming uh, and then, of course, uh, Far From Home. Um, this film sees uh, Peter Parker, played by Tom Holland, uh, in a New York where he has just been discovered as being Spider-Man. Um, thank you very much, J. Jonah Jameson, for telling everybody the true identity of Spider-Man. Um, but basically, he's now hunted, hated for, quote-unquote, murdering, killing Mysterio, uh, played by Jake Gyllenhaal in uh, Spider-Man No Way Ho- uh, Far From Home, and uh, is now kind of on the run or in hiding. Um, we then see, and I'm only going to talk about things that you know obviously have happened in, in the trailer, but we then see uh, a kind of rogues galley of Spider-Man villains from previous spider-man movies outside of the mcu such as the the amazing spider-man and uh the toby Maguire, sam raimi spider-man movies um which basically have been brought into this world by dr strange who is asked by spider-man or peter parker to cast a spell to make everybody in the world forget that he's spider-man something goes awry and that then pulls through these villains from these other dimensions into the shared universe or multiverse um and this plays out uh in spectacular style i mean it's you know just a an epic movie it's about two hours two and a half hours long um it goes to places you would you would never expect uh it's it's real fan service to fans of every single spider-man franchise this millennium Mm. um it, obviously, as you know, you know you've got the likes of Tom Holland in there, who is who I think has been brilliant in all the other Spider-Man movies, but in this one, he really has work to do. It's not just 
you know, he's fun, flippant, cocky. It's also, uh, you know, and, and a little, um, a little kind of airheaded at times. In this, he also goes to darker places, but it still sits within the tone. It works, perfect performance. Zendaya is really great in this. Also, um, stand out as well. Jacob Batalon, who plays Ned, his best friend, um, is is amazing in this. Uh, and uh, I really loved his um, laughed at pretty much everything he, that Ned did in this in this movie. He's the quote unquote guy in the chair or man in the van. Phil, you'll <laughs> you'll uh, know how that feels. Um, and <laughs> um, obviously Benedict Cumberbatch is in this. Uh, you will have seen in the trailer. Alfred Molina comes back as Doc Ock. Um, you 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 have seen. You you'll have know that Jamie Foxx is in this. Uh, Reese Ifans, Thomas Hayden Church as, as Sandman, uh, and of course William Defoe as uh movie mouth favorite as uh as green goblin or norman osborne of course from the very first sam raimi spider-man movie um all i can say is shout out to writers chris mckenna and eric summers who wrote the previous two spider-man home movies um without a doubt most fun i've had in the cinema i saw this opening night uh actually opening day it was the first screening in my local theater in, in manhattan and the the crowd noise was insane when certain characters arrive in this movie. I've never experienced a, a cinema trip. Like it was so much fun. Uh, people were literally flipping out. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, the last 40, I've seen this twice now, by the way, I will say okay. the last 45 minutes of this are up there with the best of any MCU movie and shout out to Endgame, which I think that movie pretty much the whole thing is incredible but but the last 45 minutes of this are just fan service incredible mind-blowing um there, there's a whole character story arc in this about redemption and over hatred and fear and and being a good person and it is it's so fucking good so if you if you if you like Spider-Man, if you've seen some of the previous Spider-Man movies, you, you haven't maybe seen all sequential MCU movies, don't think you really need to. I think this kind of brings you up to where you where you need to be, even if you haven't seen the Doctor Strange movies, for example. Um I I think it's you know, it's it's gonna be up there in my movies of the year list, that's for sure. It's without a doubt the best MCU movie of the year. Um, so as I'm sure you probably, if you listen to this podcast, have probably already seen it. If you haven't, then uh, put the uh, put your jets on and go watch it because it's it's fantastic. Um, this is out in in theaters now, uh, so it's only out in theaters, not on Disney Plus at the moment. Um, so you know, if you do get a chance to to go see it, go see it in the cinema. I think it's worth it's worth seeing there. And uh, let us know what you think. I mean, we did a poll on the Movie Mouth Instagram page, um, which went up earlier this week, uh, asking whether it was the greatest MCU movie. So far, uh, 64% of you, our listeners, voted that it was um, the, the greatest MCU movie. So, you know, mm. that's, that's, a big, that's a big ask. Um, personally, I don't think it is. I think Endgame is still the best. But uh, as I said, the last 45 minutes of this, it's like going to a theme park and having absolute wish fulfillment in, in every way, shape, and form. So go see it. Awesome. I've heard nothing but good things, and now I've heard even more good things. So excited just talking about it. I want to. I want to say so much more. Uh, the only thing I will say: stay off Twitter, stay off social media. Don't 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 go looking for information about this film because it will spoil it. And yeah. um, shout out to the BBC, by the way, who did a who did a review on their BBC app website 
and spoilt it within the second paragraph. I was furious. So Brilliant. absolute dumbasses. Um, yeah. Don't do that ever again, BBC. All right. Okay. You've been warned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You listening from the BBC. I mean, I think they're unforgivable. Oh. oh Speaking of which. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> good one. Uh, yes. The unforgivable. Um, so this is a, the well, it's the new Netflix drama. And it is based on the 2009 British miniseries, The Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a bit of a title change. Why not? Yeah, little play on words, clever in it. Um, so, this. Um, so, I'll go into the story a bit. So, we're mm. introduced to Ruth Slater, uh, played by Sandra Bullock, mm-hmm. uh, as she leaves prison. Prison? She's leaving the prison. <laughs> She's leaving the prison. She's leaving yeah, the good speed. Wait, uh, you want me? I just left the prison. Good speed. You want me to break back into the prison? <laughs> Uh, yeah, as she's leaving prison, uh, having served 20 years for the murder of a sheriff, uh, while trying to protect her baby sister during an eviction from the family home they were living in after, um, their parents had died. Um, what follows, I would say is quite a hard hitting and frankly, quite depressing, um, story. She begins to try and get her life back on track, mm. uh, and she tries to reconnect with her sister, who is now with a, a foster family. Mm-hmm. Um, she enlists the help of lawyer John Ingram, who's played by the excellent Vincent D'Onofrio, um, to try and connect with her sister, um, but is her, well, should we say, hindered along the way Um by the now grown up sons of the sheriff that she killed as they sort of uh, stalk her and plot to seek revenge of some description for their father's death. Um, It's, you know, again, we don't spoil things here, so it's hard to talk about the plot anymore really Mm. without spoiling it. So I'll stop there with that. But I will say that performance wise, it's, it's, it's okay. I think Bullock, is you know she she proves that she's more than capable of handling serious roles like this yeah um with you know with really good effect and she, uh, as we know from her winning you know oscars for um in blindside and her oscar nominated role in gravity etc we know she can do serious roles really well um she you know really does a good job of conveying the trauma and remorse of her character and the character's actions, and she does it really. She she does it really well. Um, I do feel like um, I, I feel a bit like the plot lines get a bit unnecessarily busy in the film, uh, and I think it'd be maybe it would have been better to focus a little bit more on her backstory rather than um, what they do focus on. I think it's really well directed though. I, I love the, it's got a really good, um, really good look to it. It's well shot. There's a lot of like close up stuff. There's a lot of camera grain and sort of quite washed out colors in this, which again, (laughs) I suppose helps to make it, give it that sort of (laughs) depressing and sort of, you know, but it helps with the subject matter basically. It gives it that sort of look. So, um, yeah, so let's put it this way: if it, if you're looking for a feel good film to stick on 
to get you excited for the weekend and uh this isn't it it's it, as i said it's depressing it's gritty it's emotional and although it has strengths it and mostly decent performances it it's not really a memorable one for me um mm. if anything it made me more intrigued to go and watch the 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 british miniseries that it's based on yeah um because which i think is like a maybe i think it's like a six-part thing um from two thousand as i said from 2009 so it'd be interesting to watch that and compare um to see what they used from it and what they didn't so you know if you fancy a watch it's available on netflix now oh yeah i mean so uh, you said it's kind of dark and a little a little depressing i mean yeah is it, 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 it would you do you recommend this are you recommending it or is it no i do it kept me entertained it's yeah. quite you know it's uh as i said it's well acted it's um it, you know it's got a, it's got a good it's got a really good cast as i said as well it's got mm-hmm. um sorry i didn't i mentioned much of the cast did i but it's got um as i said uh, vincent d'onofrio in it it's the lawyer it's got john bernthal in it um Fantastic. it's got uh viola davis in it. from uh yeah MCU. exactly yeah. viola davis who was uh yeah she, she's brilliant in it as vincent d'onofrio's wife so it's got a, it's, it has got a really strong cast and really good performances yeah. but by most people i think the guys maybe that played the the sons of the sheriff maybe it was a bit i don't know but yeah it was it, i do recommend it it kept me entertained but it's not one that i'm gonna like be in a rush to go back and watch again no mm-hmm. i know what you mean because it's quite depressing <laughs> <laughs> but testament to 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 netflix for trying to bring something grown up to the platform you know and something that's kind of engaging and a sandra another sandra bullet movie after bird box i think was the last one she did for them yeah because she quite like did she produce that as well because she produced this mm-hmm. sandra bullet. yeah i think she's yeah you know, she's into producing and stuff isn't she yeah um uh, yeah, she produced this, but she was she was great in it. Kind of Sunday afternoon film, isn't it? I would say this is kind of a Sunday afternoon, yeah. Type, stick it on, you know. Yeah, and try and forget about the Sunday scaries of going back to work. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All right, so that's available on Netflix now. Netflix right now. All right. Well, uh, okay. What do you want? Do you want? I can give you the Matrix. I can give you the Kingsman. Uh, I can give you West Side Story. Which one do you want? There's so many. Give me. Um, I want to hear about the King's Man. Please. Okay. Um, so the King's Man. Uh, this is uh, Matthew Vaughn returning with the prequel to a sequel of a series that no one seemed to ask for, <laughs> except him. Um, this sees Ray Fiennes um, back in 1917 or around that time play Orlando Oxford, who is the man who would found the covert covert operation that centered the first two films, which is this kind of Savile Row tailor shop, which which kind of uh, is, is a front for a kind of secret service uh, called the King's Man, the King's Men. Mm-hmm. Um, this sees um, Orlando Oxford uh, as the, he's actually the Duke of Oxford um, and an important ally to King George IV, who's played by Tom Hollander, who also plays two other roles. He plays Kaiser Wilhelm and uh, the Russian Tsar uh, Nicholas in a in a pretty cool um, pretty cool roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is in the days before uh, you know the kind of lack of gentlemanly combat. You know this is before World War One where this kind of kicks off. Basically, from a plot perspective, um, it's about a shadowy group of nefarious villains throughout history, such as uh, the Mad Monk Rasputin. 
um, uh, Lenin, um, Kaiser Wilhelm, who we've also talked about, who are compiled by a shadowy, bald Scotsman who hates the English so much that he basically coerces them into starting World War One. And <laughs> okay, <laughs> bloody English. Um, it's all that kind of thing. Bloody long shanks. So long shanks. So yeah. Um, you've seen. You've probably seen the other two Kingsmen, or you've seen one of them at least. Uh, this this film is, it goes slightly different. It goes to slightly a slightly different place in that it's more obviously it's a period set, but it's also slightly more grown up. Um, but if there's one thing I can't stand a, a, a in a movie, Phil, when it's produced, what is that? Do you know what that is? Um, no. That's right. It's a shifting tone. I absolutely hate <laughs> a shifting tone, Phil. As you know, clearly. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's jumped to me now. <laughs> this is, this is as, as I said, part period costume drama. Um uh, World War Two, hard hitting. Uh, sorry, World War One, hard hitting trench based combat and sorrow and death and mourning, um, but also bizarre Team America type comedy, which comes out of complete left field and knocks you for six. Um, hmm. I- I'll try and think of an example. So there, there are serious scenes of, of of this trench warfare, you know, and the hardship of soldiers in World War One. There's also a scene where. Rasputin is invited to dinner. Uh, by the way, R- R- Rasputin is played by Reese Ifans, uh, who is also in Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Ifans at the cinema this week. Um, where Rasputin is, is set up as a child molester in this film um, and is invited to dinner with Ray Fiennes and his son. Ray Fiennes then pimps out his son to Rasputin uh, to coerce him into having sex with him in a private room at the dinner um, right. only for Rasputin to shirk his advances and instead turn to Ray Fiennes, um, uh, take him into a private room. And uh, you'll see, I mean, it, it, the most uncomfortable scene that I've probably been privy to in a, in a cinema full of other adults. Um, and I was on my own when I saw this, I felt really uncomfortable. Um, all I can say is, should I say it? I'm going to say it. Risa fans, uh, long-haired, bedraggled with a beard. Imagine Bakewell tart crumbs in Risa Ifans' beard, licking Ray Fiennes' naked leg wound, which resembles a butthole, and both groaning with pleasure. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> yes, it happens in this movie. It wow. is so weird and it's it kind of underpins the things that i didn't like about the other two kingsman films which is that it kind of just went too far and i love gross out comedy i love i love stupid stuff that makes me laugh but there's something really morose and an undercurrent of just darkness in some of the jokes in these films that when twinned with the more kind of grown-up action sequences and dialogue just doesn't it doesn't gel you know right um you know, like that whole joke about anal sex with the Swedish princess in, at the end of the first Kingsman movie and uh, Elton oh, yeah. John being in the other movie, being, you know, a complete diva and calling everyone a C-U-N-T. Um, yeah. Just really weird. Also in this, another thing that we both hate, unnecessary 
depiction of animal cruelty. There's a mm. scene where a goat, for no apparent reason, is killed with the sword. Another goat gets his horn cut off um, with a sword. And it's even though it's CGI, I know it's CGI, I just don't think that we should be desensitizing people to that kind of violence, especially children, because it's done for laughs. Yeah. And shock value. It's just... Yeah, right. I fucking hate it. I hate it. Um, yeah. I don't know who this movie is marketed to. The first two were kind of um, aimed at like a kind of urban, you know, youth demographic. And yeah, they were. Yeah. Sexual humor, shout outs, all that, suit shootouts, you know, well edited and good soundtrack and all that kind of thing. This movie stars a 59-year-old Englishman running around in a, in a tweed suit um, in a camp comedy action uh, spectacular, which mostly feels like a stuffy period war drama. Um, that being said, I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> I, quite it. I, I, I didn't hate it I, I was confused by it there's some things in there that i that didn't rub well with me but mm. I, the more i've thought about it i, I kind of enjoyed it and I, I would think that it would be a good day out to the movies if that kind of film sounds like you would you would like to go see it you know so that being said i don't think anyone wanted to see this i think there's way better movies that are out there at the moment i mean spider-man we've already talked about um so, you know, I would definitely spend my money on those. But if you like spy dramas, comedies, Ray Fines, maybe, maybe give it a go. So mm. begrudgingly, begrudgingly recommending this. <laughs> uh, that's The King's Man. It's available everywhere now. Um, okay, uh, let's save, let's save the, let's save the best till last. So I'm going to jump into West Side Story just really quickly. Uh, West Side Story, this is obviously a remake of the Stephen Sondheim uh, musical classic. This is directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, It stars Ansel Elgort and really a ton of actors that you probably haven't haven't seen. Um, It's really, really good. Um, It's a a very sharp, punchy musical. It's not, you know, overtly saccharine um, like some of the other films that we've seen, you know, In the Heights that came out earlier this year, Lin-Manuel Miranda. it's it's definitely more earthy, more gritty. It's set in that kind of uh, post World War II era um, in on the west side of of New York, um, and it's set in a really cool kind of. It's set around uh, a time where they were demolishing a certain area of um, of Manhattan for the Lincoln Center, which is the performing arts center that they built for fans of the first Ghostbusters. It's where Peter Venkman does his weird uh, spirals you know, around the fountain um, yeah, yeah. in an orange shirt. For no apparent reason, um, but that it's it's that area of Manhattan, and and basically it 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 has these wide, vast backlot sets of demolished buildings that a lot of the the songs and the the action is taking taking place in. Um, it's it kind of reminded me a little bit if if fans of of classic cinema, um, The Third Man, starring Orson Welles, which was based in Vienna, a post World War II Vienna, which had been destroyed by bombs, and there was like all these kind of buildings that have been derelict and piles of rubble everywhere. It was like that. Um, I th- definitely were aiming for something like that. I'm sure. Um, all, all I'll say about this is, uh, it's quite long. It's like two hours, 40 something. Um, but it kind of flew by. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was really good. It hasn't done well at the box office, but you know, if you, if you like musicals and if you love Steven Spielberg, uh, this is definitely Spielberg's best film in, in years, I would say probably mm-hmm. for me, probably since, since Munich, I would say, um, Maybe I'm missing some, but I, I think Munich's a masterpiece. Uh, and the biggest shout out has to go to uh, Janusz Kaminski, his longtime cinematographer, who, in the, I mean, it looks stunning, 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 stunning movie. I, I mean, I it was up there for Greg Fraser to win the Academy Award for Dune. 
I don't know. Like, I'm not even a Janusz Kaminski fan. I find his, his work a little bit similar in every film that he's done for Spielberg. But mm. I thought it was, this was, it looked fantastic. And there's some just incredible scenes in this. So West Side Story, it's out now. It's in, in the cinemas. Uh, I recommend you go see it. Uh, again, it would be a good one for the family. If you're going to see your parents Christmas time, would be a really good one to go see if you get the chance. So definitely, definitely recommend Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. And I'm going to finish out the review section with, without a doubt, the greatest uh, sequel <coughs> to a <coughs> Matrix film that you will <coughs> ever see. And that is The Matrix Resurrections. So I'll, I'll jump into the plot very, very quickly. Um, basically, this sees um, Keanu Reeves' Thomas Anderson returning. Obviously, he was Neo or the one in the, the first three Matrix movies. Um, he returns here as a game coder who has developed a sequel of very successful games called The Matrix Trilogy. Uh, here being asked by, and I quote, the head company Warner Brothers to make a difficult sequel to a very successful trilogy. Hmm. Uh, this is directed by Lana Wachowski, um, obviously of the Wachowskis, uh, for the first time directing alone without her sister Lily. Um, it's uh, an interesting one. If you, like me, watch the first movie before going to see it, the parallels are really quite striking in resemblance of plot points. It's pretty much a kind of dry reboot based after the original Matrix, or is it? Um, but that's pretty much where you know any kind of positive for this film kind of runs out. Uh, this is without a doubt the worst movie I've seen in the cinema this year, and I, wow. I mean, I've seen some shit this year. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, coming off the back of a pandemic when we couldn't actually go to the theater for the first time in a long time since I can remember, I have felt like walking out of of the screening. Um, truly truly terrible um again a very mixed tone all over the place uh for most of it it kind of feels like a comedy neil patrick harris is in this as a therapist mm. and i like neil patrick harris um but he his role as the analyst or the therapist in this it's it's very very bizarre uh comedy and it kind of it changes the the tone of this dramatically where, where I was talking about the comparisons to the original matrix. If you watch the original matrix first, and then you watch this, you see those long languishing shots of cameras panning up buildings or slow motion shots of feet running through puddles or, you know, all these big, beautiful, you know, uh, cityscapes. Yeah. Um, this is all very close up filmed shot, digital camera, handy cam, you know, wob uh, you, you know, tracking shots and, and and all over the place uh, and and it there's nothing picturesque in this whatsoever any frame and i and i would say this to anyone if, if you can take any frame of that first matrix movie even the sequels they are works of art every single frame of those movies you could print out and put it on a wall as a poster this film looks like ass and it it really the performances and so on i mean they, everybody is doing their best but it it for me it just really is a stinking pile of turd and <laughs> a complete dumpster fire of a movie and i i have honestly never felt i'm not a massive massive matrix fan i love the original matrix i didn't mind the sequels i thought they were pretty cool um, a lot of people hated them this is so bad it's so so bad 
Um, there's even a moment in this where they're talking about bullet time. Hey, you remember Neo? Uh, sorry. Hey, you remember Thomas? You invented bullet time in those games. It was such a cool phrase. You just threw it out there. We need to come up with something. There's like this whole consensus group where they're trying to figure out how to make a sequel to this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh man, there's a really off-tone, like colorblind scene where there's an action sequence happening and uh, people are becoming, you know, uh, they're kind of turning into villains. And just everyday people start jumping out of their tower block windows to try and land on this vehicle that one of our heroes is is on and committing suicide. And it just, it's, it's so, it was so tonally colorblind. So I don't know, painful to watch. And I don't know. And, and had a terrible end, a terrible end without any spoilers. Um, So would you recommend it then? <laughs> I honestly, I, I, it's on HBO Max now. You can watch it at home. Obviously, you know people who love the Matrix are going to watch it. Make make your own minds up. I've seen some people <laughs> that really love this. Um, I think if you hadn't seen the original Matrix films, you you may like this. You may think it's it's good. Um, but for me, I it just. It felt cynical, and it, it it took us all for for as as film fans and film nerds, it shit on all of us, and it it kind of made us feel dumb for caring about something in the first place that is now being rehashed into a quote unquote cynical sequel by quote unquote Warner Brothers, which is quoted in this film in a very meta way. Hmm. I fucking hated it, and I never want to discuss it ever again. <laughs> no, then. <laughs> Merry answer. Christmas, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the review section. <laughs> Moving on. Let's move on. Let's do... Okay. Do you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. It's time for this. Yes, for our listeners... Uh, who are perhaps new to the Movie Mouth podcast, We this is our Video Store Corner, which is a classic film discussion section where we like to rent a movie from the Video Store era and sit down to watch it, just like back in the old days. And then what we do is we discuss it in spoiler-filled detail. We actually release our Video Store Corner uh, pick each week onto our Instagram account, into our Instagram story, where you can go and vote on which film we watch. So we usually put two up. You can vote on which one you prefer, and then we'll watch it. You can watch it along in, in anticipation for the episode once we tell you which one it is. So head on over to our Instagram account and search for at Movie Mouth Podcast and hit follow to be alerted to when we're going to be announcing the next video store corner. And for that, a big thank you to our subscribers, followers, uh, and listeners about their verdict on our Instagram poll where we this particular movie won out by a majority of 53% to 47%. Against Phil's favorite Christmas film, Die Hard. Oh, I should have Sorry, voted Phil. myself. I could have swung the vote. Like a possibly, corrupt possibly politician. Possibly. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, we've had enough of corrupt politicians over the last <laughs> few years, haven't we? <laughs> um, but Phil, what did we watch this week? We watched a film we discussed earlier in the podcast. The classic National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, 
yeah, as we said earlier in the in the top five Christmas films, it's just one of those films you put on every year without fail. Melikiliki Mucker is the thing <laughs> to say. <laughs> and you know what? I'll say straight away because I, f- I forget again, and I don't know why. And we said I said this earlier to you when the credits come up and it's got like the um like the opening credits and it's got this mm-hmm. weird like animated uh oh, Santa, nothing like Santa an eighties movie that for no apparent reason has an animated intro animated intro like, like Weekend at Bernie's Two yeah yeah like out of nowhere ridiculous but still it's still good it's but the song mm-hmm. like the uh, Christmas Vacation song like and again I I say this a lot but like I wish they still made like proper movie tie-in films I wish artists still did proper like 80s style film Ooh, that would be a great great question to ask on the next episode yeah. greatest yeah, movie tie-in that. songs look at us oh. brainstorming during the episode <laughs> love it thanks <laughs> listeners are you still with yeah. us then Phil shall continue <laughs> um yeah so the Christmas vacation song starts playing and I'm just like why is this not like played on the radio like right. over so much of the Christmas shit that they play every year. <laughs> From right. Mariah Carey and fucking George Michael's Last Christmas and Cliff Richard, for fuck's sake. Just play Christmas Vacation song. Brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It's Mavis Staples, isn't it, that sings the uh, Christmas Vacation yeah. song? Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. And it, yeah, so I'm going to make it uh, a thing that I'm going to listen to that more at Christmas time <laughs> because it's good. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I might do it this Christmas. I might put it on this Christmas. I'm I might make a movie. A I might make a movie playlist this Christmas on Spotify and publish it and share it for our listeners. How about that? Do, Why don't do we do it. that? Let's do that. Idea. We're going to do that. Yeah, we're going to put together a Christmas that. song playlist on Spotify and we will share it on our Instagram. We'll share our it. Listeners. Perfect. That sounds Done. like a good idea. Look at you. All the good ideas coming. So <laughs> talk, us, talk us through the plot of this. So National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, for those of you that haven't seen it, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say. It's Clark Griswold from the family Griswold, uh, as you will know from the other vacation movies. Yep. Um, and he's really into Christmas. <laughs> and he promises to make it a good one uh, until he turns everything completely around, <laughs> causing a domino effect of uh, disasters uh the like only he can create yes um yeah so it's yeah clark griswold you see a bit more of his life clark griswold's life in this he's like a a marketing uh like a product executive isn't he (laughs) yeah yeah and um yeah he's chicago yeah in chicago yeah and he's like counting on his um damn it greaseball (laughs) <laughs> he's count- he's counting on his christmas bonus basically it's the, yeah. basically the, the story revolves him wanting to install a swimming pool we're getting the family hold on he's he, he will tell the story at some point sorry carry on <laughs> um yeah no actually i don't need to go into that <laughs> basically <laughs> it's clark griswold and it's uh yeah his family chevy chase of course played by chevy, chevy chase chevy chase and uh he's everything just goes wrong yeah. Everything that can go wrong goes wrong. He's yeah. kind of an every every guy, you know, suburban dad, nerdy dad, you know, that is incredibly highly strung. Um, oh, yeah. Which is which I, I don't think came across when I was a kid. I don't think it came across how highly strung he was. I just thought he was a nice man. Really? But, yeah, I think so. Even but at I think the end of like vacation when he's just like when he's 
that's true when he basically takes someone hostage that is true um yeah no i uh, yeah I mean, at the beginning I, of this film he has a road rage road rage incident like immediately and it's because but that was all of our dads wasn't it back in the in the late 80s early that's 90s. me mate every week when i drive to work i bet it is i can imagine you driving under a lorry carrying trees on it just... <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just it that that whole opening is is amazing by the way because it just got it just shows the the, the the amount of pressure and stress that he's under to to make it the best Christmas ever because basically the backstory is is that his dad always gave them amazing Christmases and his and he wants to live up to that and he's got his family coming to visit with his two kids and his wife played by Beverly D'Angelo and they're going to find a Christmas tree to you know the the Griswold's family Christmas tree and uh they are they're driving down a, a road like a forest road. And, you know, some guy's tailgating him and he just puts his foot on the gas because he's just pissed off by it and then starts tailgating him. And then it's just this whole chaos in, ensuing, isn't it? It's just yeah, brilliant. It's just it's just everybody's dad from the 90s when Absolutely. people when dads were just hard, like no one was afraid of like getting stabbed or getting shot at the side of the road. It was like, no, you know, the you, you know, dad would pull over, he'd get out of the car, he'd have a punch up, then he'd get back in the car and then he'd take you to Wimpy. <laughs> he takes to Wimpy for a Frank and uh, a Frankfurter burger. Was that the, the burger that had like the slices in it? Like, yeah, it was, like, it's cut weird, down man. Around... It was made of, as a giant Frankfurter as a oh, burger. I want one of those now. I remember you see it out on the menu. And it just looked juicy and delicious. By the way, Wimpy's no longer around, so we're not sponsored no. by Wimpy. But it was a it was a restaurant chain in it the UK before we had McDonald's. One local every, to me, in every town. which was like the last one I could think of, as only shut down in the last six months. Really? Yeah. It's turned oh. into a Mediterranean restaurant now. Ooh. Lamb souvlaki. Um, yeah. So, moving on. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the cast in this. So, we've got <laughs> so we've got Beverly D'Angelo mm -hmm. returning as um, his lovely wife, uh, Ellen. And the ki his kids, in every vacation film, they're played by different people. So, in this one, they're played by... Um, uh, Audrey, his daughter, is played by Juliet Lewis, who mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of you all know. And his son, Rusty, is played by. Do you mind? Uh, Close the fucking door, please. I love her in um, from yeah, Dust she's awesome. Awesome. Um, uh Yeah, Rusty is played by Johnny Galecki, who a lot of yep. people will know from lots of things, but mainly the Big Bang Theory, I suppose. Um, yeah, and then you've got <laughs> you've got the amazing Randy Quaid back in it as his cousin Eddie. <laughs> He's like the best, the best character, like the most annoying asshole that you love. Uh, he's yeah, uh, so he's back in it. Um, yeah, you just got, you got a good cast in this actually, uh, and obviously yeah, Chevy Chase being Chevy Chase. Oh man, what about? Todd and Margot, the next door neighbors, the two yuppie ne next door. Oh, they got these yeah. next door neighbors. Uh, one of them is played by Louis, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus from Seinfeld. Who, yeah, uh, that's right. You'll know, you'll know um, as Elaine in Seinfeld, um, and Todd as well. And they, 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 they live in a suburban area of Chicago, but they're they're two childless yuppies that do nothing but drink power shakes and and wear. You know, shiny gold, shiny silver tracksuits. Those workout suits, like the sweatsuits, suits. like the proper like sweat like things that just like drip inside. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the and they like, live in the most eighties slash nineties house because this was made in eighty nine, right? This yeah. film. 
So they live in the most 80s slash 90s house possible, like in interior and, and that's, design. That's that's what I was saying, actually, uh, while, I was, while I was watching it. Um, the production design of this is amazing. How they yeah. made this house, you know, the set of this house, look and feel like a house from that period, like lived in. Like there's just weird stuff, posters and stuff and like baskets full of crap in the, 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 in the, the loft space and like in the attic. And there's... Yeah. Uh, the garage, which has got like random like power plugs stuck like everywhere and a weird... everywhere. Yeah, it's just so lived in. It's such yeah. a lived in house. They they went like you watch films now and it's like you see like a house and it's like generic house, mm. generic family home. You know, it's like copy and paste. Like find this copy and paste. house and just yeah. There's no effort, zero effort. It's like oh that'll do. You know, yeah, it's just yeah. a house. You know, yeah. um, you get the same feel that you do for like McAllister's house in a way. You do in Home Alone. You do okay. exactly. Exactly. I didn't see Home Sweet Home Alone, but I'm guessing that they made that generic as as anything. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, house fact, by the way, um, this is this house is on the Warner backlot. It's also it Roger Murtagh's house from Lethal Weapon movies. I know. Uh, I've got other trivia, but I don't think oh, that was. No, one we'll come on to that. We'll come on to that. We'll come we'll on. To, to, we'll come on. To but that. that was one I left out actually, so that's good that you mentioned it. Well, <laughs> I didn't find it on IMDb. <laughs> You're covering all the bases. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I just think I find all the trivia. <laughs> Don't oh. tell the listeners. They'll find it no, themselves sorry, and I'll have nothing to do. I have too much time going to the theatre five times a fucking week. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> um, no, no, no. The, so I, 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 what I really love about this movie is that family Christmas setting. And yeah. you've got, you know, the big meal scene, you know, where, they, where everyone sits down for the turkey and... Um, You've got, you know, the elderly relatives that are kind of, that have, have gone from their role of being the patriarch and matriarch into being like these kind of background players and Clark now taking control and them all sitting down for dinner. I mean, there's just some, some amazing scenes in this. We, yeah. we haven't talked about Cousin Eddie. No, I mentioned him like Randy Quaid being in it. <laughs> the way he turns up is amazing. I'll just say that, like the scene you, you were just talking about, like the family coming together. Yeah. And, um, one of my favorite scenes in this is like when when all of the relatives arrive and they all seem to arrive like at once for some reason and there's just this really weird like but really awesome chaos scene like quick cuts to like close-ups of the kids faces while they pinch their cheeks and it's just like chaos everyone's talking each other over yeah. each other but you yeah. hear the odd bits of line it's like oh look how tall you are now and it's just like oh and there's like loads of little lines in there that are brilliant and it's just chaos and it's just like you can just see this is like the shit's hit the fan. Like everyone's here. It's just yeah. going to be chaos from here on. In. Yeah. And you got to give your bed up to like your grandma and like, you know, they kind of smell a bit weird, you know, yeah. I don't really want them in <laughs> yeah. my room. And then I got to share my room with my, with my sister or whatever. Yeah. It's it, um, brilliant. It's, it, 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 it's funny. It manages to hit all the different levels, the different viewpoints. So if you're a kid watching it, you empathize with the kids and you see all that stuff going on, but you're excited because there's an animated intro and there's, you know, presents and Christmas trees and, you know, sledding and all that kind of thing. But then as an adult, you see all the other layers that are, you know, suburban monotony and, you know, dreaming for bigger things and wanting bigger things, but being stuck in a certain life or whatever it yeah. might be. Brilliant. Absolutely mm. brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. That's what makes this film. This what makes these films from these era, from the video store corner era, I think the classics that they are, because there are so many different levels that you can go back and watch and appreciate. And it's not just a movie about a man 
who wants to have the best Christmas in in his house, you know, with his family coming over and falling off a ladder. Like it's it's more, so much more than that, isn't it? It's on so yeah. many different levels. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What would you say is your favorite scene of this film? Um, favorite scene. So I many. mean, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I must admit. <laughs> I do I do like it when he <laughs> when he goes like mental when um oh no there's too many I d- no I I really like it when he he finally cuz basically in the film he puts like 25,000 or whatever it is light bulbs all over his house he goes for like the biggest it's light It's 25,000 that's a, I remember watching it go that's a lot of fucking light bulbs that's you know, a, that's a like lot American that's movies in American movies they often say 2500 and you're like 2500 geez that sounds like a lot oh it's 2500 and yeah. in this he's in this he says 25000 bulbs <laughs> yeah, and i'm like, like wow did he get that right did he say 2500 or 2500 no it's 25000 bulbs he has in his house <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he spends all this time he's up on the roof he falls off the gutter he like slides down the roof he falls down the ladder um lots of effort and yeah, it's just this ongoing, like, you know, they don't work the first time he plugs them in and then he's like out there all night trying to work on it. He falls into the bush and his so wife good. comes out and says, dinner's ready. He's like, I'll be right there. Like, says from the bush that he's fallen into. <sighs> and then, yeah, when he just finally, uh, it's the scene where like, he's trying to get it to work, but it's the switch in the garage that is actually like, for some reason, turning the lights on and off and someone's doing it by accident and he keeps thinking he's making it work. And, it, and then it doesn't work. It goes off again when after another try and big reveal and he just has like a complete breakdown and just starts like smacking the shit out of all of the, the, the Santa and reindeer decorations. And um, yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes. Um, uh, it's just, it's the meltdown. I think, I think the meltdown as well after that, where, where he doesn't get his Christmas bonus, the check comes through. It's the jelly of the month club voucher that he gets <laughs> from his boss. Yeah. Played by Bill Murray's brother. Um, yeah. Uh, what is it, Greaseball? Um, <laughs> and and it's just the meltdown. There's there's a there's a really striking f bomb in this film. I yes. don't know is it, if it's in Europe. Is it in the European version? Because I I think I had it on DVD and I don't remember this 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 scene. Not I remember the scene being in it, but I don't remember this line being in it. Mm. But there's this whole thing anyway, and he says. Where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no. We're all in this together. This is a full-blown four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on. We're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap danced with Danny fucking K. And then Santa's going to squeeze his fat ass down that chimney tonight. He's going to find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nuthouse. Like, <laughs> yeah. holy fuck. Like, Chevy Chase. In that scene, it's so fucking. But I didn't do that any any justice whatsoever. But when you see it in the movie, it's so it's so highly strong. Good. Yeah, it's it just is. meltdown, isn't it? Do you know what the fun the funny thing about that when he's having that meltdown and he's saying all of the expletives, right? Apparently, and this is a bit of trivia that I don't know for later on, but I read it anyway. But yeah. they each cast member that he was staring at during that had a apparently like around their neck like a different like curse word on a piece of like card around their neck, so that when he was staring at them and the camera was pointing at him, he would look at them for reference to include them in like the off the cuff sort of like oh, rant wow. that he was doing. Yeah. As like a bit of a reference, which is quite interesting. That's amazing. Yeah, it's he, cool. I mean, he goes off on a couple of those, and he does that other one where he talks oh, yeah. about his his boss being a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, f- 
foul flushing low life snake licking dirty in the inbred overstuffed ignorant blood sucking dog kissing brainless deathless yeah, that's heartless, the scene that's bug eyed stiff legged spotty lip worm headed sack of monkey shit he is <laughs> hallelujah holy shit where's the Tylenol um yeah um my we're talking about lines and stuff like my favorite my favorite line that never fails to make me laugh in this and it is easily my favorite one and it's a really simple one and it's when oh, he's shit. in the garden near the beginning and he's cut down his tree and he's got mm. this ridiculous massive tree and he walks out of his he walks out of his garage with like the hockey mask and the the chainsaw on doesn't he? and they do a whole like jason mm-hmm. sort of like you know, a little setup thing. It's quite funny. But then um, the yuppie neighbors are out in the, in the yard, aren't they? Like out the front. And yeah. <laughs> then the guy, Todd, like the neighbor says to him, hey, Griswold, where do you think you're going to put a tree that big? And he, <laughs> and he says, bend over and I'll show you. Right. Brilliant. That's already good. Right. And then he goes, you've got a lot of nerve talking to me like that, Griswold. <laughs> and then Clark says the best line. He said, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Because his wife's standing next to him. It's absolutely amazing. Always makes me laugh, that line. Because like the shock on their faces. I think that is is such a good... I love those two. Like They they, like hate Christmas. They think it's gaudy and cheap and crappy and overblown. And and they're in the wrong neighborhood for that, you know? But then the next door to the worst person, complete counterfoil to them. And obviously everything that Clark does in some way impedes their, (laughs) you know, impedes their success. Like you would hate him if you lived next to him. You would. You'd fucking hate him. You yeah. fucking hate him. Yeah, all the lights, would. all the lights come on. They blinding them. They're trying to sit there having like a meal and like they're drinking like nice wine and listening to like orchestral music and like the lights come on. They like blinds them and they're like yeah, falling the over. Tree and... flies through the window. Oh yeah, maybe we should get a maybe we should get a tree this year. Where are we gonna find a tree on Christmas Eve, Margot? And then the tree falls <laughs> through because he chopped it down. <laughs> I like I love the scene. I love the scene with and the and the line uh when he goes uh gift shopping with Rusty, his son, and he goes to the department store to oh, buy yeah. lingerie for, for his wife, Ellen. And he meets the clerk, the 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 kind of attractive female clerk in the in the lingerie section. And that whole that whole scene is just I mean, I can't even, again, I can't do it justice, but if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And he's just fawning over the words and he's trying to say the right thing. He's like, you know, she's like, oh, who are you buying the underwear for? And he's like, oh, you know, for my wife. He's like, God, rest her soul. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry she died. No, no, we're we're, we're divorced. And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. she's like this whole thing. And then and then he's like, uh, any blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Merry Christmas. And she's like, that's my name, Mary. And he's like, no shit. <laughs> yeah, I just love that. It's just such a great scene, such a great scene. Yeah. Oh, oh what a movie! This it's just even talking about it put a smile on my face. Come on, yeah, in, give right. us some trivia. Some trivia. Um. So, uh, <laughs> okay, right. So after failing to get the Christmas lights to work one last time, Clark Griswold takes his frustration frustration out on the plastic decorations in the front yard, which is what I was mentioning earlier when he has that massive breakdown. Mm. Um. Chevy Chase actually broke his pinky finger while punching the Santa Claus in that scene. Oh. Uh, so he resorts to kicking and clubbing the decorations after that because they kept rolling with it. And the take yeah, he's like slapping the, the, the antlers off the reindeer, isn't he? Yeah, he broke his little finger while he when he punched oh. the when he punches Santa and it flies really comically off. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, so that's a good one. And then that's great. This is the final film of May Questel, and she plays like. Um, 
uh is it clark's aunt or yeah it's his aunt isn't it mm-hmm. yeah it is it plays his like really elderly like crazy aunt hey and... grizz <laughs> hey grizz yeah and um, so really cool this one that her film so this is the final film that she appeared in but her film career began in 1930 as the voice of betty boop oh wow yeah that's really oh. cool isn't it that makes yeah. sense. That makes total sense. Yeah, because you can hear it like Boop. when you when you say it, like because her voice is very distinctive, isn't it? Um, then like little in facts, like the shoes that Eddie, like Randy Quaid, who's brilliant in this, um, wears are the same ones that uh, he gave Clark as a gift in the original Vacation film. <laughs> wow. Um, there's lots of little. Um, well, here's another one: the old Dodge pickup. Um, that tailgate this is a great one i love this one the old dodge pickup that tailgated clark uh, and the family in the, the opening scenes of the movie was previously used as kirk russell's work truck in overboard the kirk russell oh and Goldie Horn 80s classic wow and it was also used in they live in 1988 the roddy piper cult classic as well wow yeah that's, that's weird because really cool, we talked about that last week didn't we on video stuff we did we did yeah, yeah. um yeah, so that was the the truck was used in that the green like the you know the really old sort of like Chevy truck or whatever. Yeah. Um no, Dodge truck, yeah. Uh so as we know this was produced by we didn't mention it actually but it's produced by John the legendary John Hughes. Yep. Um and written by him he, as well, right? Yeah. Written by him. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, it was written and produced by him. Yeah. And it was originally uh he bought uh, on board Chris Columbus to direct this. Wow. Okay. Um, home Alone, obviously. Yeah, Home Alone. But it, apparently, even before the cameras could roll, Columbus came to the realization that he just could not work with the difficult Chevy Chase after meeting him. <laughs> uh, even So even though he desperately needed the job at that point in his career, Columbus decided to quit the project. Uh, he was worried it, was ended, it would end his career. Uh, but then Hughes brought him in to direct Home Alone, 1990, which became a massive mm-hmm. hit a year later, mm-hmm. earning like six times the amount of money that Christmas Vacation did with a budget of almost $10 million less. Wow. Yeah. $10 million um, less. That's incredible. Yeah, right. That a lot testament to Chris Columbus, because that is that set that they built in that swimming pool. If you've seen that, how that um, the movies that made us on Netflix, the little yeah. show where they talk about, there's a, there's an episode about Home Alone and they, they mm. show how they built the set, didn't they? In the, in the swimming pool, like that, that's amazing. That's, I mean, this movie. Where did the budget go? Maybe on the, some of the stunts, the car stuff at the beginning. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure, really. Yeah, maybe the car stuff. Probably, you know. Um, despite being a Christmas movie, Christmas Day is never actually seen. The mm. film ends on Christmas Eve, twenty fourth. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. It's fun, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> uh, well, you've already mentioned that the house that um. Uh, the, the house that Murtar built. The house that, yeah. So the, it was featured in the Leaf Weapon movie. So you've already done that one. Yeah. And then last one. Um, when Clark and Rusty are taking the Christmas decorations boxes from the garage, the yeah. station wagon from the first vacation movie can be seen covered with dust in the garage behind them. Oh wow! Yeah, that's really cool. Ghostbusters Afterlife style. Yeah, it is. It's just like the Afterlife. <laughs> uh, there's loads of little ones in this. It's really good. Um, yeah, that's some of the trivia I've got for you. That's absolutely awesome. 
I loved, I love, I love them all. I think you know if you're if you haven't seen this and you're a John Hughes fan, you've got to check this out. Um, obviously, you know fans of Ferris Bueller, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Uncle Buck, Breakfast Club, um, Home Alone. We mentioned, you know, go go watch them. You know, and this is definitely up there with all of those. I think. Um, is this your favorite Chevy Chase performance? Mm. No, I think I probably prefer him in Vacation. Like really? Vacation. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I liked him in this. Like, it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? Basically, would you say so? Is the first vacation your favorite of the vacation movies? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. one I've got the most like childhood connection with. I think. Yeah, Christmas Wally Vacation World. too. But like, yeah, Wally World, and I just remember watching that when I was younger, which I probably shouldn't be. I suppose I, it's quite. Adult, I really, love and, and European I, I vacation love, as well. I love Christmas Vacation. I think it's it's my favorite. Um, but I do like, and it's slightly problematic these days. But I love Fletch. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I think if we no, we haven't done that for video store corner. I actually no. watched that relatively recently because my wife hadn't seen it. And she well, was I've not never a seen fan. Fletch too. Oh, Fletch, yeah, Fletch, Fletch lives, lives, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> mm, yeah. Mm. Um, not sure about that, but because it's funny actually, because Carly, my wife, has never seen, um vacation the original vacation wow and she hadn't seen fletch but she had and she hadn't uh, well, she had she seen christmas vacation i don't know maybe he, i don't see how you could have not seen christmas vacation yeah you know what i mean like, yeah but yeah she hadn't seen either of those and she she loves this she like she liked vacation she didn't like vacation as much as i did and i, think I don't like what, vacation. You, I, I i saw this film i think more or before i saw the first vacation movie okay and if you watched Vacation now for the first time, you'd probably find it a lot less funny than you did. I agree. You, I didn't. I don't have the. You wouldn't have the connection with it that I had when I was younger. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I don't know. But it, let's not talk yeah. about that Vacation movie starring Ed Helms as a grown-up Rusty, Rusty no. Griswold. You ever see that? No, I've never seen it. I never have Dream. any desire to watch that ever. There was, it, there was a good moment in that. I think um, uh, Chris Hemsworth was in it. Was it Chris Hemsworth? I think it was Chris Hemsworth. It was one right. of the Hemsworths. <laughs> it was one of the Hemsworths. <laughs> he was in it, and he and he played like this kind of uh, kind of lover of I think his sister maybe or something like that. Right. Um, and he was that was the best thing in it. it. Was like a kind of cameo role, but it was that was that was without a doubt the best thing in it. But there yeah. was a um, there was a vacation film like one of the newer ones where actually Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo like made like a cameo together like as a couple. I know. But they were in the vacation movie. Yeah, they were in the vacation movie. Yeah, um, I don't have any the, desire to watch any of the new ones. If I'm honest, no, no. I mean, you shouldn't. It's, it's no. awful, awful. Yeah. Um, and you know, problems with Cyber Chevy Chase these days. You know, it's kind of problematic yeah, to right. talk about him. Um, yeah, definitely cancel culture. But yeah. Um, well, I mean, clearly we love this movie. Yes. Yes. And yes, it is. Do. It's Christmas incarnate. I think, you know, if you haven't watched this this Christmas or, you know, over the over the holiday period, then you should definitely sit down to watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, written by John Hughes, starring the wonderful, at the time, <laughs> Chevy Chase. Um, go check it out. This, this, where was this one available in uh, in the UK, Phil? Uh, this was available. Where did I, I rented it from? Because um, I was surprised, actually, because it's normally all over Netflix, but I had to rent it from, I think it was Amazon. I rented it from on here. 
Yeah, I guess because they put it at Christmas and they think people want to watch this at Christmas, we're mm. going to charge them for it. <laughs> for the rest of the year, it's probably on Netflix. Naughty bastards. Um, yeah. In the US, this is available on HBO Max, Warner Brothers, of course. Okay. So uh, where you can you can watch this um, So for free. So go check it out. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. All right. Anything else? No. No. I don't think so. So jo- <laughs> So join us on the next Movie Mouth podcast, slice of movie and TV related podcast fun. As mentioned, that's going to be a review of the year 2021 and I look forward to 2022. But before then, please follow our Facebook and Instagram accounts at at Movie Mouth Podcast and hit subscribe or give us a nice five star review on your podcast player of choice. We really appreciate it if you could do that. Um, And also check out our new website, www.moviemouthpodcast.com. There's just one last thing to say, Phil, isn't there? Um, I mean, it's Christmas time, so yeah, yeah, I'll say it. Merry, Merry Christmas, Miles. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. No. Merry Christmas, Phil. No, okay, no, not that one. Bar humbug. <laughs> no, don't do that ever again. Um, yeah, no, Merry Christmas, mate. Have a good one. You too, mate. And Merry Christmas to all of our listeners out there. Thanks for tuning in this year, and we will. See you on the other side. Bye-bye. Bye-bye then. Bye then. (laughs) Ta-ta. Bye-bye.